Welcome to the A Show, awesome Avenger show for May 10th, 2017. How has it been? How is your May going? Oh boy, I called it the awesome Avenger this week because I just saw the Guardians of the Galaxy in uh, Volume 2 and it was an awesome movie. And wow, it's, it's a sort of a pattern now. Um, again, if you didn't hear the last episode, I explained my uh, bum life, uh, bumming day. Ooh, what is it today on the May 9th? I think it's day 23. Um, yeah, so I'm in between jobs at the moment. You know, it's actually in a part of a moving process. Coming, going from Seattle back to Michigan. Uh, looking at Royal Oak area, just outside of Detroit. So there's a lot going on. It's been busy. And then, uh, of course, this finally is the adulting part two episode. Uh, we're going to go over the housing stuff a little bit. Uh, before that... Before going into that a little bit, I just want to go over a little bit of what I've been doing all all week, uh, about three, four days or so. So some of you might be wondering, because now you're a bum, BK, what the hell are you doing? Are you doing nothing? Just bumming around, literally? What's going on? So I'll be honest, it's more, it's busier than I thought, being a bum. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's sort of... It's sort of, uh, I guess, a s- small preview into retirement a little bit. I guess 35 years down the road, 40 years, I don't know, whatever the retirement age is. So it kind of gave me a glimpse of, hey, aside from just refreshing and having a downtime from a busy life and working life, what do you do in all those 8, 10, 12 hours that you were spending in the office, you know, running around, being on calls, getting angry, you know, whatever. What what happened? So I've had a plan, which was to catch up on books. Uh, I've have, I have a lot of e-books that I've downloaded, I'll admit, <laughs> over the years. But they've been on my Google Playbooks uh, list and then my Dropbox for, God, at least like four years. So I wanted to catch up on that. And also, I had, I bought a whole bunch of Udemy courses, so it's like the Coursera, but cheaper, and not by the university. So I had about $70 worth of courses when it was on deal. I just bought it on Black Friday or something, like whether it's you know additional Python, R, machine learning, security, like IT security in general, just simple courses, and then like a whole bunch of like history courses. I don't know anything about European history, so... I downloaded all that and then other social science topics like I don't know, gender and identity and all that stuff. I know it goes all over the place. I'm ADD. What are you going to do? So I have, I've had all that, but I haven't had time to really get to it. Um, although it's been like two weeks since I've come back from Hawaii. Uh, so I'm not traveling any further. I've spent a lot of money again. This is the third week in a row I'm saying this. So because of that, I've been focusing mostly on money, just taking care of business here. Housing, I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But also, I've had a lot of time to uh, look at the stock market all day. And right now, it's uh, earnings season for the first quarter of 2017. So, for example, last Tuesday, what was it? Apple's reports came out a week ago. And then Amazon was came out before uh facebook its earnings came out oh so on and so on and so forth and then the it continues through the week 
uh, through next week at least for the first quarter. So been reading a lot of those numbers, and yes, I've been putting money in stock and then review those. Uh, so yeah, a lot of lump number reading, and it's good that it's in the Pacific time because like just around lunchtime, one o'clock here Pacific is when the market closes, four o'clock Eastern, and right after the bells ring, most of the companies. You know, go you know announce their earnings. What happened, and then you see the aftermarket numbers, and you see earnings per share is what is price to earning ratio. What's gonna happen to the dividend that goes back to the investors? Blah 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 blah, all that stuff. So I've been like monitoring that, reading that, and also looking into new opportunities, new industries. And you know, I think it's an advantage when you're an ADD. Um, I think a lot of venture capital. People say this too. Well, that's investment, pretty much. So it's like if you, it's good when you're ADD, you can pay attention to whole different, you know, set of companies, and then you can just t- pay attention one at a time, and then you don't, or you can have multiple attentions. You can just multitask. It's great if you're venture capital. Same thing for just regular investing, in my opinion, especially stock. I have a lot of interest. Obviously, if you've been listening to this, uh, five of you out there, you know, pol- politics, econ- like economy, technology. You know, other business stuff in general. So, if you're interested in all that, and if you're a bit of a news junkie, I would say monetize it. One way to monetize is investing. It's like, what industry should I go in? You know, should look into investing and stuff, stuff like that. But again, I'm not your fiduciary. I'm your friend. So, if you don't know what fiduciary means, go look it up. So, there. There's a disclaimer again. So, anyways, back to the stock thing I was looking at. Uh, I saw an article that came up on Seeking Alpha, which seems to be a very popular website. And it just popped up randomly. I don't know why. There was a one medical company that I was looking into. And they were they were also researching, aside from the cancer, delivery, uh, cancer drug delivery, uh, they were also looking at the cannabinoids. I think that's the right word. Can- can- any, the, the, the medicine based on cannabis, pretty much. The marijuana, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it. So I said, okay, like marijuana has become a big, you know, attractive option for many people out there. It's like, hey, this is a potential uh, big breaker. You know, it's the next cigarettes, next alcohol, right? Uh, it's only it's legal in a sense that it's a medical for medical purpose. It's legal in many states, also in Canada. In some other European countries and some places it's recreational like here in the state of Washington, Oregon and California and Alaska and many other states that like the recreational use is allowed. But at, yet at the federal level, it's still not allowed. So the banks cannot handle the money, all the, you know, all the transaction that happens here in Washington is, you know, done by cash or debit card at a ridiculous, you know, rate, you know, so there is that but you know the trend is going towards that you know marijuana is really not uh not a harmful drug and last year there was a research that came out of uk where it proved that for epilepsy treatment marijuana really helped for the teenagers of course in the lower dosages now yeah people argue that the marijuana you know like uh, it's very strong compared to the 70s 80s it ain't your in your daddy's weed anymore which is true it's very strong and then you know i'm not i don't I don't smoke it. I used to. I don't. I live across a pot store, but then it's like the music, you know, when then when iTunes came out and then like, hey, buy a song for 99 cents. Uh, it's still too much. I'm just going to download it on Napster and then just go to Pirate Bay or something. But in the in the when in the beginning of the uh, Washington state m- recreational marijuana sale, although it has a lot of flaws compared to Colorado, I'll be honest, which I'm not going to get to. 
uh, I said I'll sacrifice. I'll pay at a higher premium, you know. And then the re- recreational sales is different from the medical dispensary sale, and then the quality is different. The price differs, and I was like, everybody complained about it. But I said I'll sacrifice. I'll buy the cookies. I'll buy the you know small doses of whatever doses, uh, small amounts, and then you know I'll smoke it whenever I feel like it. And I did because I was really stressed out at the moment. I'm not doing anything except working. You know, house hunting, car hunting. That's like a yearly topic, which I'm going to get to. And, you know, do that. So anyways, but I, I haven't been a consumer of it. But I've been like following what the hell, you know, could be industry-wise. A lot of IT people quit. Like a lot of Microsoft people quit and Amazon people quit and start their own, you know, business. You know, the Yelp of marijuana or Uber of marijuana or, you know, Uber Eater, Urban Spoon of marijuana. You know, that kind of stuff happens too. So anyways, I, ha- I received the article on the Seeking Alpha Written by Anthony Cataldo called the 227 marijuana stocks, April and early May 2017 downward drift continues for the sector. So in Canada, they, if I remember right, a couple months ago, they're like a, I think the legalization process passed. I should have looked this up. I don't remember. In March, and then people were like, oh, go, go buy your marijuana stock right now in Canada for the Toronto Stock Exchange. But the numbers have been kind of slowing the last couple months. It's been kind of declining. And in the last week of April, and then another 1.8% during the first week of May, uh, in the first very first summary that Anthony wrote here last week. And I looked at, I had all the list of symbols. He had a matrix, so I printed it out, but I didn't know what the hell. A lot of these are penny, penny stocks, too. So they're like $0.0001 or like $0.01, cent, $0.02. Cents. And then there's some, you know, the big medical companies and then already established companies, you know, trading at you know, tens of dollars or like five bucks, four bucks a share, that kind of thing. Of course, yeah, that's not the whole thing, though. You know, market cap and all that matters, too. You got to look at that. But, you know, before getting into that, I didn't know what the hell these 20, 227 companies were. So I started categorizing them uh, on my Excel sheet. I exported the list, and then I said, let me look these up. And then, like, let me categorize them. So what the hell are they? Are they distributors, distributors? producers farmers equipment companies or just general services or just investment is that a real estate what the hell are they so i looked up every single one and i have had time so i decided to take a look i had other things i wanted to look at but i said what the hell let's give this a shot so (laughs) as i was going through these 227 items my god i'll be honest i was uh i had a bit of a change in mentality and Investing in the pot stock at the moment um, because when you look at the symbol, a lot of them are penny stock, which is very risky, first of all. So you're more likely to lose money more than earning it. Yeah, yes, if you're very optimistic and bubbly poppity about it, it's like, oh my God, this one cent stock could be $1. You're 100 times in it, 10, 10 folding it or whatever. But at the same time, a lot of these guys are doing the same thing. And then I ended up categorizing you know, major items, which was, I'm still going to break it down even more because uh, I read the company description and then try to, and then they have the sector and then the product or service or whatever, right? But that didn't really explain. Some of them didn't match according to the Seeking Alpha database. So I had to read the company description. And so basically a lot of them are either uh, into actually making products, whether it's cosmetics, which is there's only one, Food, edibles, uh, or 
high quality just a weed itself and then you know pre-rolls or whatever so there are a lot of product companies there are a lot of service companies uh, who offer legal advice and marketing opportunities and all those they're real estate companies uh, real estate specific companies that deal with just the stores you know you see a lot of properties getting snatched up uh, as a retail space like that could be a marijuana dispensary you know and then there's a controversy around that with being near school or whatever it's like a strip club being near an elementary school that kind of thing also there are a lot of mining oil and gas drilling exploration companies uh probably for land purposes minerals i'm sure there's some chemical being used and there's some like chemical companies too for synthetic marijuana uh that's also been looked into tourism there's a couple that's tourism and then also completely financial well that's financial investment they're not like just uh, these investment firms that just like whores everybody and a lot of farming products farming products slash farming services i divided into farming farming equipment that's another big thing a lot of led lights i saw four or five of them at least here uh some breathalyzers for marijuana because that you know buzz driving that's still illegal so that's same as dui two hardware companies that handle that and also a lot of it you know mobile solutions and then all those other things were like we'll use cloud to understand how the marijuana business is going and then i was like all right whatever buddy and then media companies magazine publications i don't know how relevant that is or social media promotion uh pharmaceuticals a lot of those um i would say i got a i felt like 25 50 percent of these are like pharmaceutical oh by the way back to ite payment that was another thing that's being looked into a lot of vape vaporizer vape companies um they're called they're under the category of cigarettes but yeah a lot of a lot of vapors out there <laughs> the vaporized solutions so yeah very interesting but reading a lot of these company descriptions which i, I highly recommend you do for whatever you invest not just pot but god damn like <laughs> You could easily tell if the guy or gal, whoever was doing this, was like completely stone writing this shit. Or it's the shadiest shit I've ever read in my life. So I'll give you two examples. So there's just one company description. Quote, GLH leverages a strong management team with cannabis and food industry experience to complement its expertise in extracting, refining, and selling cannabis oil. I repeat. GLH leverages a strong management team with cannabis and food industry experience to com- complement its expertise in extracting, refining, and selling cannabis oil. Let that sink that in a little bit, okay? Okay. Sounds perfectly fine. It sounds very formal and uh, professional. However, <laughs> reading this, I, I just couldn't stop laughing this morning. And then maybe it's me getting tired, but I said... Dude, the expertise in cannabis and food industry experience. Yes, I'm sure like the people running this actually have that experience. But if you put cannabis and food in one sentence consecutively and experience, I would think like you're getting high and you had a whole bunch of munchies. And then it's like, wait, man, like wait, that's your expertise, man. And I just like just imagining this Pineapple Express, Seth, Seth Rogen, James Franco, you know running this place glh i'm just like god damn like you guys it sounds like james franco wrote this with his literature degree or some shit that i i thought it was hilarious 
And then, you know, maybe the company's fine. And by the way, there is a company called Pineapple Express. And I'm like, are you allowed to use that name, first of all? I mean, you registered it, so it must be okay. And then, there's a, I'll give you another description. This is more of, dude, don't, this is not a stoner version of the company description. Okay, here it goes. Quote, Blue Line Protection Group Inc. provides protection, transportation, banking, compliance, and training services for the legal cannabis industry. Unquote. Again, Blue Line Protection Group Inc. provides protection, transportation, banking, compliance, and training services for the legal cannabis industry. Let that sink that in a little bit, would you? What does that sound like to you? What does that sound like? Okay, protection group. It must be security. It must be... But aside from protection, they have transportation, banking, financial, compliance, legal, training, training services, service. So they do everything from like one end to the other except producing and distributing weed. They're just a delivery man in between. It sounds like a fucking mob. It's like a fucking... Like, I don't know, some, some triad or Yakuza or some shit, although they're in Colorado. So I'm like, dude, <laughs> this is the shadiest shit ever. And then, you know, aside from these, they're really vague, you know, really badly written company descriptions. It's like reading bad research paper abstracts. And then I'm just like, I've read, I've gone through almost every single one, like 227 of those. And then I'm just like... And then there are some one, some interesting companies too. But I'm like, wow, eighty percent, like seventy percent of these guys completely have have never done business, and they just jumped in the opportunity because like this is a green economy. And then I go like, I'm glad that I didn't go into this industry because there are a lot of you know bad sounding guys out there. Bad sounding as in like bad business, not the bad hombres, bad people, semi good people. You know, not those like bad people, but like some sound shady. Some are completely out of their loop if you read it, and then like. I mean, yeah, I, haven't, I don't even bother looking at the numbers. Like, dude, if you can't write the fucking your business the most professional, efficient way possible. And then a lot of these company names. I can't remember seeing so many company symbols with MJs in it or cannabis something. Pineapple Express, Earth, Hemp, and all those things. And I'm like, can you be a little more subtle and then sound cool? You know, like, why don't they have a name like Google? Instead of a search engine. Alta Vista is even cooler. But then you get shit like, let me just read it. Canna Consumer Goods. Cannabis Science Inc. Canna Business Group Inc. Cannabis Sativa Inc. Uh, Cabinet Grow Inc. CB Scientific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to, you don't think I knew that like CB stands for cannabis? Canna Grow Holdings. Chinese investors holdings. Okay, whatever. I don't know why that's added. United Cannabis Corporation. I mean, cannabis pharmaceuticals. What else is here? American Green. <laughs> Trailblazer Resources. Uh, 420 Property Management. 420 Property. Grow Block Sciences. Uh, I'm just like reading... Grow Solutions Holdings, Grow Condos, Grow Generation Corp, Green Technology Solutions, GSW Pharmaceuticals. That's actually a legitimate British pharmaceutical company. Uh, High Mark Marketing. Come on, dude. Hemp Americana, First Harvest Corp. It just goes on and on and on and on. And I'm like, Jesus, can you? Mary Jane Group, Inc. 
Medical Marijuana Inc., MJ Holdings Inc., Canisys Inc., yet their symbol is MJTK. I just go like, like, okay. Best thing to do is ETF. Kind of like a mutual fund, but not really in a mutual fund. It's not as risky. They don't take the fee commission and all that as much. I would rely on the professional investors, but also I would look at who the hell, the, what the hell the holdings are for the ETFs. God dang. You know, ETFs are getting popular. I made some money off of it last year too. Index funding, you know, you know all that stuff, but... I, I after reading this, I just said, "Fuck it!" I was like, "I'm not investing in these guys." It's like, even from the beginning, this is a bad omen. I gotta go with the professional companies or really legitimate pharmaceutical companies, and then look at their Rocky Mountain high brands. That's a Rocky Mountain chocolate. Oh, I guess they're gonna look into the edibles. No, I don't think that's the same company. No, that's not the same company. But you know, that's from Colorado. From reading it, medical cannabis payment solutions. Very subtle. Very subtle. Very. And then the other, look at that. I, I can go on and on. Vape Holdings, Vapor, Vapier Enterprises, Vapor Brands International, Vapor Hub International Inc., Vapor Corp., Vapor Group Inc. Can you, can you get over yourselves? Jesus Christ. But after reading all this, my God, I can't believe I spent this much time on green economy and 227 stock holdings. One company that I saw got me a, a new attention into new things which was Water Technologies International, Inc. Symbol is WTII. So, and then I've been looking at, I was like, I was surprised that the Anthony here isolated many farming, uh, you know, the engineering companies and water companies, oil and mining companies into lumped into this, which I understand with the, the effort needed for land, the equipment that's needed, farming expertise, Water, lighting is very important. You know, if you're going to do indoors or you're going to do outdoors, run it to, you know, that's a very interesting, interesting problem to think about. And then as an industry as a whole, and then it's very grand when you think about it. But then water, it just hit me. And then, no, it's not because I saw the movie The Big Short where Michael, Dr. Michael Burry, after gambling against the uh, U.S. economy and housing bubble, that he, the next thing he's looking into is water. And then I thought more and more about this. Hold on a second. Instead of jumping into marijuana and then, you know, mindlessly, you know, throwing down $500 for all these penny stocks or like, you know, 5,000 shares or something. What 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 precedes marijuana? Like is there really an up, you know, uptick on this? What really impacts? Like people are looking at marijuana and be like, "Okay, this is the next thing." But Hey, it, you still got to farm this thing. You still need arable land or arable space if you do it indoors. You still need all the resources to create the edibles and all that. But what, what, what ultimately comes back to this in all these efforts? What, what, what is the one essential most important ingredient? Water. And then I go like, okay, we've had historic droughts in California, although it doesn't look as bad this year. You know, and then go like, yeah, global warming's not real. Climate change is not man-made. And then, you know, and then you think about it more and more. And then we saw some worst parts of water in California. And then the drought. Syria, you know, with all the civil unrest that's there. People don't say it, but the lack of water and then the farming industry just collapsing where people are jobless and not making money. And Assad not doing shit about it, really. 
led to the conflict too. People don't say these things like climate change impacted climate change and the w- lack of water is it really a national security threat. Even the even the all the what is it? The intelligence agencies have been saying this for years now, almost close to a decade. I feel like. But then we have a president who doesn't think global, you know, climate change is man-made and all of that. But you know, aside from that, hey, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that the water, the fresh water, there's only seven percent of the fresh water, and then it, or something like that, ninety-three percent is seawater, if I remember right, and seventy percent of the earth is covered in water. Ninety-seven, ninety percent of that, ninety-seven, ninety-three percent of that, if I remember right, is is salt water. Fresh water is only 7% or 1%. It's a single-digit percentage. And then it, we don't have enough left. And then it's like, oh, we'll just go to North Pole, South Pole, and get that. No, we need those glaciers. God damn it. And then the water with Nestle and Dasani and all these guys, Coke, Dasani's Coke. I go like, water is really important. Even these marijuana guys, you need water at some point. So I decided to turn my attention to water. I'm, I've been... I was like looking up that, looking up the water stuff a little bit. I don't know. It's like it's water. How hard is it? But like, oh, hold on a second. There's more involved in the water itself. It's like, okay, who? The thing about this marijuana article also said, okay, look at the people with the best in the sector at the moment. So the quote here is, while these these relatively low values might represent a buying opportunity, I encourage long-term investors to target quote market share leaders unquote and the quote, best in the sector, unquote. So in the near term, I recommend long-term buy and hold for relatively big-cap Canadian marijuana stocks only. So what basically he's saying is get the established guys, whether it's real estate, who has the most amount of building, who has the most number of assets, who has the best equipment, who has the best farm equipment provider, who is the, who has the best capital in the pharmaceuticals to you know, fund the research for the cannabinoids and all those uh, marijuana medicine. Who has the best resource to provide all the edibles? Who has the best hardware equipment to get the breathalyzer going out there? And then research those, pick those, and hold there. Same thing for the water. Who There are a lot of things involved in water too. Uh, water, water equipment, you know, dig, digging water, digging the well, uh, pipe business, uh, resorts. Who or the, that's basically real estate. Hey, where can you bring this water? You know, so that you can sell it for like seven dollars a liter or something later. You know that kind of stuff. And then I I haven't finished my research. I was doing it up to just before the movie started. I was on my phone in the movie theater just looking at all the different companies. And I'm like, God dang, they're like, oh, hordes of companies. Not as many as marijuana. I'll be honest. It's 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 very handful. But then. A lot of those values went up when the drought was going on, and then people were like, "Oh, these are, these companies want to make money." But then, I think also the thing we need to look at is like, "Hey, how 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 is water regulated?" We saw what happened in Flint with EPA being deregulated and all that. But later, when the water, when we're in desperation, what's going to happen? Can these companies be complete capitalist capitalist assholes and charge like ten dollars a liter or something? You know, is it a human right to have a water healthcare? Is that a right even? You know, we're gonna have those debates that I feel like in the next five to ten years, and then so ethically looking at it compared to marijuana, which is inevitable. Water, oof, I don't know, but I would say yes, that's a hot commodity with a scar scarcity 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 that we are facing uh, the next time. So, anyways, so that that is. I'm gonna look into water 
like Dr. Michael Perry. But, you know, I have a lot of time now, so I'll look into it. But uh, it's an interesting topic, and it's a good ethical question to think about as a, as a planet, as a universe. And we're like, what the hell do we do here? You know, water is, water is going to go away. So, anyways, there's, there's a take on the marijuana economy and then the water as a commodity. I don't know, something to think about if you're looking into investing further, you know, instead of... You know, picking Amazon. Amazon is not a good pick. I'll be honest. Uh, at this moment, value is too high. Even Warren Buffett said, "Like, fuck it, fuck, like, fuck Amazon." I was too late. Value is too high. Same as Google. They're not splitting the stock. Apple still has some leg, which I agree with. So, you know, marijuana business. If you already invested in it, I would just review and be like, "Hey, are these companies the best vape company? Is this the best mobile app company? The payment, whatever they're coming up with, is it the best solution?" You know. Hey, what do they have? I would look into it. You got to do the research. You got to do the studies. There are a lot of brainless people creating the companies, which in turn, I'm sure there are a lot of brainless investors that's just inflating the values, just wasting the capital out there. So I thought that was interesting. My goodness, I already dedicated half an hour into this. Um, You know what? What am I going to do with the housing here? So housing, let's get back to it. You know what? We'll have, we'll make this an extended edition a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna talk about the net neutrality as an offsode. Um, I gave a long ass rant about that on a Facebook and Twitter at Comcast. But anyways, why am I going there? Housing. So let's get into that. So I'll be honest. The housing market is it's a seller's market everywhere in North America, especially Canada, Toronto area, Vancouver, obviously, and many major cities in the U.S. I've been looking up. Uh, inventories are low. Rents are getting high. Gentrification is real. And also in Australia, and people blame, hey, it's all the Chinese people. It's all the mainlanders bringing all that cash, you know. And then I'm like, yes, yeah, true. And I am a little frustrated watching that, but uh, a little bit of a history. So, as I've been covering like stock and housing and all that, uh, while while I've been working for the last five years, you know, eight to twelve or fourteen hours or whatever, uh, I always had an annual distraction, which uh, three years ago was house hunting. It got to a point where I saved enough money, so thank you salary and the bonuses and all that. But also, I've been working so long, I haven't really taken vacations. So I've been like just saving money, which seems to be a common American, you know, corporate America pattern. Americans work like minimum like 45, 50 hours, 55 hours a week. You know, less vacations are being taken. I was one of those people. And then... So I saved a lot of money. I don't get overtime, but I just did. And then the bonuses were good. You know, Samsung as a company did it really good. I was in the golden times of it, I'll be honest, through Galaxy S3 to S7. It was really good. Uh, but also, at the same time, only thing I do, I get home, is either play games or get a drink and then, or go out here and there. But really didn't think about the future outside, just working, 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 and then party, party, drink, play. And something that my parents suggested was, all right, save enough money. Why don't I looking look at buying a place? It seems like I might settle here. Although I move, I'm gonna be moving in three weeks at the moment. Um. So 
the first rule of thumb, I guess, is it depends on your salary. Is you know, my goal initially was to save save a hundred thousand. Uh, you know, not spend, save, rent. You know, is this although I'll be honest, I've been I've been eating out a lot and stuff, and then grocery, Whole Foods all the time, so which is not dirt cheap. But you know, also I say you know something close to that, and then you know, parents pitched into Asian parents do that. I'm sure other non-Asian parents do too. And then the common thing all the agents tell you is take it. And you know, the common thing that from an I guess an American perspective is I'll buy a nice house, house, a detached house with a garage and then the lawn and everything. Well, unfortunately, if you're in Seattle, Bellevue area, or even in like Toronto. Buying your first house is an impossibility. There's no beginner home. There's none of that. You got to go to a really shady area. And then, like, you got to go get those 1930s houses and do a lot of a lot of work. And then, like, sure, if you like that stuff and want to spend all weekend painting and then, ref- you know, fixing fixtures and all that, go ahead. But I don't have time. I'm working gazillion hours a week. And I'm like, I don't have time to repair shit. I want to rest on a weekend, too, right? So there's that, too. And then, you know, people think that, especially if you come from, like, Texas or other, you know, more affordable areas, you come to more expensive urban areas and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, a house is, like, starts at $700,000. I can't afford that. I can only cover, like, I can barely cover 10% of the down payments, like, 10%, oof. Ever since the housing boom, like, they, like, the banks and then the all those guys are, like, very, very, very you know, stringent on, you know, your down payment and your income and credit score and all that. What ended up happening is there there are a lot of houses go went under and all these foreign money starts coming in and then all these investors starts coming in who who've been waiting for the market to crash. And then especially the last three years, there's a lot of Chinese money coming. I'll be honest. China, India, you know, other people just cash buyers and then goes over listing price by like 100 it goes like 105 percent, 110 120 percent even just people just drop cash like left and right and then go where the hell did it come from and then i'm just a millennial i'm not doing this to rent a place and also when three years ago when i bought the place i started realizing that the rent's been going up at a rate where i said you know what this doesn't justify renting so and then I looked at the mortgage calculation and I'm paying like two three hundred dollars less a month and I'm like I'll rather put that towards something else. So I started my search and I don't know what the where did I begin. So I don't know if you have it in this state, in your state or province wherever you live, but in the state of Washington at least they have a the state you know has a I think it's a mandatory thing for the agents and the agencies to offer you know house you know the the classes free classes at night in the evenings or during the day on the weekends about you know house buying and I went to a Redfin office here in Bellevue that's like five minutes drive from where I was and then I just went and sat down and started listening to this and then uh, you know it was like so here's how the house buying process works you know you gotta have a down payment. If you or if you have cash, go ahead buy it straight up cash. But you gotta give earnest, earnest pay, which is like if the, which is, hey, like I'm gonna buy it at this price, and then I'm gonna put down this much money, which will go towards the uh, eventual final purchase pr- agreed price. But it's a show of faith. I was like, here's how much I'm putting down right now. Here's a check. Here's a fifty thousand dollars. I'm gonna drop right now. 
and then the rest will come later if you accept this. And then like, and then there's like titles, escrow, all those things, mortgage, which I don't want to go into. I'm not a housing buying for dummy. But that happened, and then I I went to that class and I started listening. I was like, all right, got it. Sounds fair enough, and then sounds simple enough, and then. I was like, I will try to make an offer as low as possible. I'm sure they'll reject it, if accepted, whatever. And then, you know, go through that process. And then, I, how did I meet my agent? Uh, I just went to a whole bunch of open houses on Sundays and Saturdays on the weekends. And then I said, you know what? Let's look at the neighborhoods. Let's take a trip. Let's take a drive. And then I went all over the place. I went to one time I was in like Queen Anne, Ballard, that area, northwest downtown pretty much. And then I drove all the way down to South Seattle to look at places in Columbia City, which is uh, supposedly ghetto, but like a lot better now. And then they're doing a lot of redevelopment, Beacon Hill, Capitol Hill, Central District, uh, First Hill, uh, Madison something, Madison Hill. I don't remember. Just past the Capitol Hill. I looked at different neighborhoods. I went to Kirkland, Washington. I didn't go to Issaquah because it's a family area. I found it boring. Bellevue, mostly downtown and some other areas, outskirts of it. I didn't look at Renton. Uh, so I went all over the place and uh, I ran into my agents in one of the condos. I was looking at a condo because, okay, like you know, ideally you want a house. But then again, I again, I don't have time to fix shit. I don't have time to cut grass. I don't want to. I'm going to be by myself for a little bit. And so I don't want to pay for the heating bill or the electric bill. It's so stupid. It's so inefficient. And then the only thing, houses that I can supposedly afford are like broken down ones. I don't want that. So you know what? As a starter home. By the way, generally, if it's your first house purchase, it's the most important one because, uh, you, you know, you don't pay any commission. The seller usually pays a commission anyway. And also, you get a discount from the state It's for being a first-time home buyer. buyer. It's like, bam, here's a tax break or whatever. So that helps. And there's a bit of a discount there. And then so I said, I'm going to buy a unit, a condo, ideally two-bed, so I can rent it out or, like, have a roommate if needed. And do all that stuff. But I two beds were really hard to find. And then two bed prices were way out of my range at that point. So I was like, fuck it, I give up. And then I ended my agent who I met at a, one of the open houses. I don't I thought the place was okay, but then I wasn't sure. And you know, we chatted, you know, at the open house and seemed to click. It's just like that's how I meet people. It's like if it clicks, it works. It's like if it clicks, it sticks. Uh, that's my, I'll just be the rhyming phrase of the day. So, and then they're specializing in condos. So I said, you know what? Help me find. Like, I don't have time. And then you guys seem to be cool. Some agents, I just found them just like dull or didn't know anything about condos. Just focus on house and family. And I'm like, you know what? You guys, you don't work. I'm like Redfin. I'm like, I use Redfin to look up shit but i don't use their services uh for the agent purposes i like my agents better and they're like yeah you know what let's stick together let's see what happens and then like i made a few offers didn't work it always went over way over and then from the other person saying like, then fine and then they ended up finding a place that was a divorce settlement place that i'm living at here right now and then they listed it wrong they said it was a studio but in fact it was a one bedroom and a den which is also a dining room 
So I was like, oh, fuck. And then it's facing Seattle. I got the sunlight. I'm not looking into the courtyard or anything. So I was like, hell. And then it's in the heart of the downtown. There's a marijuana shop across. There's a burger place across. And then there's a Korean grocery shop across the street. Downtown Bellevue's two blocks. You know, I'm already in downtown. But, like, everything, Bellevue Square and all that's, like, two blocks away. Everything is so close. And I was like, dang, this is really good. And then it's not facing south. It's facing west. So it's less hot. In the summer, believe it or not, in the apartment studio I was in before, it was facing south. So from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., it was a goddamn sauna. And we had no air conditioning, so it was god-awful. Oh, you get a lot of sunlight. Yeah, but I'm burning to death. Like, this is a fucking... I had to leave the studio every... Like, in the weekends, in the summers. I'm going to a fucking mall. Like, I'm going to go where the air conditioning is. This is ridiculous. Why didn't you just buy an air conditioning, DK? Like, I don't feel like it, man. Like I, I'm not going to stay there forever. But yeah, but anyway, so it's facing west. So I get the sun mostly from like 3 to sunset. So it's not as bad. And then it's tolerable with the, you know, the blinds closed. But anyway, so I found the location and all that good. And then they listed it wrong. So it didn't have any, many, you know, offers. And then whatever I offered at a reasonable price. They accepted, and then the mortgage and all that was... Uh, I didn't really shop mortgage. I didn't have time. And then a lot of these times, I went to go see open houses. I was, like, out of my mind. You know, I was, like, highly caffeinated. And then I was, like, visiting, like, 8, 9 at night, straight out of work, you know, working 12 hours. And I'm like, yeah, it looks good. looks good. But, you know, I, I'll be honest. I didn't really feel this place when I got this. And then places I thought was good... I didn't get it. One of them ended up burning down actually last year. So I was like, all right, I'm glad I didn't move in there. Although it was a two-bedroom and it's a really good location right across the downtown park. But like, it's just funny how it works. It just, I think it's in a, in a way, it's sort of like, it's just, a, it's just life. It's just, it's just how it goes. It's like, it was meant to be. I know it sounds cliche and lame, but uh, it kind of worked out. So it's like, now I'm going to be moving and then, I'm going to be, I don't know, I'm not going to be selling it. I'm going to leave it because, uh, you know, I do I do feel like, God, I, I do like the time zone. I do like it here, you know, although I, I'm going to take a break from the area. But never say never, but who the hell knows? And then, uh, you know, holding on to a property, I think it's a good thing. I know the market's hot right now. And then the uh, way the housing uh, prices are going up in many of the major cities like Dallas, Austin, Texas, New uh, in, New York, Chicago, St. Louis, Vancouver, Portland, L.A., San Francisco, San Diego, Boston, Detroit even. A lot of them are uh, going at a rate right now, which people say it's like a 2005 to 2006 level. And then the stocks also, I'm sorry, I'm going back to stocks, but just to give a perspective on the economy and the market right now, it's having an eight-year run, which is unprecedented. The last thing that the market had this much rally was just before the Great Depression, which lasted 10 years from 1919 to 1929, if I remember right, or 20 to 30, something like that. Just before the Great Depression, the market was growing, growing, growing for 10 years. Same as the housing. And then the housing market is good. People are saying that. But at the same time, it's a lot of foreign money. If you look at the Chinese investment that's coming in from 14 to 16, the number just skyrocketed. Like they didn't come in, they didn't come in at this rate during the housing bubble from '05 to '07, '08. You know, and then, and then, 
I asked myself too, you know, I had a bit of a dilemma in my head. Like, yeah, it's great that the house value is going up and then the rents are going up, but rents are going to a point where it's unaffordable for many people. Housing affordability index is not going in the way people want. And then the job numbers are good. Job numbers are good. But majority of the jobs, I don't want to sound like an on-hedge, you know, conspiracy theorist, but like a lot of them are low-paying jobs. A lot of them are minimum income jobs. And... If you do the math, I went to one of the buildings here in downtown Bellevue. It's going to be an apartment. It's a renter's heaven right now all over the place. Every city, I'll be honest, has luxury apartment, luxury loft. I've been traveling a lot the last year too. Austin, Dallas, Chicago, New Mexico, Alaska, New York. Everywhere has similar setting. It's all the same. Banana, like Naperville, Illinois was the same thing. I was like, oh, Naperville, small town. And then like, yeah, but it has the same Starbucks, Apple Store, Banana Republic, California Pizza Kitchen. Same thing. I go to, I go back to Boulder and go to Fort, uh, what was it, in Longmont where they're redeveloping a lot. There's Chili's, Red Lobster, Applebee's, Whole Foods, McDonald's. Banana Republic, Apple Store, same thing again. Townhouses, townhouses. And then go to Austin. Five guys, Applebee's, Red Lobster, aside from all the great music, townhouses, same apartment brands. And I'm like, what the hell's the difference? Other than just the temperature and then the weather and then the job I might have. Everything else is the same. Every town is the same. Every setup is the same. And then they all have similar, you know, rent, like $2,400 per loft. Like, what the fuck? And I saw that in Michigan. I was like, 2200 for Royal Oak. I was like, Royal Oak is nice, but it ain't fucking Bellevue. I'm sorry. I'm like, are you kidding me? Who the hell is going to move in here? And then I go to the Bellevue. Back to the Bellevue. Two Lincoln Tower project. They built a luxury apartment unit, you know, above the W Hotel that's going to be there to the first 10 floors. It's like a 30-floor building. From a small studio up to a penthouse, it ranges from $3,600 to $25,000. And I go, there are 215 units. And right now, it's going to open in two months for move-in. Less than 20% are signed up. And I'm like, how many directors, senior vice presidents, senior directors, EVPs, or fucking Justin Bieber's of China and America and Canada to come to live in Bellevue to occupy that fucking building oh it's got a nightlife there's no fucking nightlife here it's only jack-in-the-box in the that opens and everybody goes there for the munches and like hangover food okay then Taifang is great no it's not it's a shit dim sum it's not even dim sum it's a dumpling and then like it's just like unbelievable it's like how are you gonna occupy that and we're at even in bellevue and even in michigan and a lot of places the housing prices and re- housing prices for buying a place is at an 07, 08 level or beyond. And rents are ridiculous, but our income's really going up. The median income, if I remember right, is still 25 bucks an hour. Yeah, and then the general rule of thumb is for mortgage slash rent is 30% or one-third of your gross income, so before taxes, should be spent on your monthly mortgage or rental and then i'm like 25 dollars an hour 40 hours a week times 52 that's 52 thousand dollars a year yeah that sounds about right that's a median income or whatever and then do 30 percent let's just do that whoops no and then divide it by 12 
thirteen hundred dollars is should be the maximum you should be spending on mortgage slash rent. Yet you have places that's like triple this price, and then like you have two hundred of these units. I I've seen this happen. In Bay Area too, like in fucking Sunnyvale, not even fucking Menlo Park, not even Palo Alto, building luxury apartments and townhouses and ridiculous studios. That's like three hundred square foot, and then they charge you like two thousand five, like three thousand dollars furnished. And I'm like, and then a lot of them are empty. I've seen empty units too. They just put a bike in the balcony and pretend that somebody lives there, but then that bike's been there for a whole year. And I'm like, nobody fucking lives there. I think the same thing's gonna happen at some point. I just can't imagine that many, you know, people moving in. And then another thing is, even if they buy, even if they sign a, the lease agreement, how many of them are actually gonna live here, man? And then like, I looked at my building because I was contemplating whether to sell the place before I move or rent it out. And then I was looking at different units i we have about 130 units and i looked at about good 30 because property tax records i was trying to originally look out how much the property tax is going to go up so i was looking at the comparison with other units and then i saw the record of sales and i saw the who requests the property tax who pay for it a lot of mortgage companies very few individuals a lot of chinese names they're korean names too yep for sure asian people in general but I'm like, none of them fucking live here. I never seen these people. Or like, yes. And then I creep and I do the fucking investigation and I go look up on Facebook and see if they're legit people that live here. At least like, are they like working for Microsoft, Amazon, or like, do they live in Washington State at all? I look up all that shit. I don't know. I have this much fucking time. I look at 227 marijuana stocks, look, research on water, read the earnings, and then creep up on the property owners of this fucking building just so I. I, I I just want to know that, like, look, I, am I insane here? Am I thinking that this bubble is more ridiculous than ever? And some people say it's not bubble. But I'm like, who the... It's like, I go to the owner's meeting, no one's there. Anyways, my research showed that, like, okay, a lot of them are Chinese, Korean, and Indian owners. And a lot of them are not here. And then I go... And then we don't have a rental cap in this building. And then I go, like, go in. Like, you guys are just snatching these up. Because of a old theory, you know, the conservative Asian economic mindset that house is a safest investment. Yet at the same time, there's some, I feel like there's an unethical part to it. It's like you're kicking people out who actually live in the city, who actually, you know, buy a place to live in it. Like, I didn't buy this as an investment opportunity. I bought it for, first of all, as an economic reason because it's cheaper than rent. And also, yeah, sell it at some point and make bucks. But that's obviously given. You're not buying a rundown place just for artistic reasons. You only do that if you're rich, if you're Steve Bomber. Just drop $2 billion in the fucking Clippers. I don't care. But, and then I see a lot of articles, like in the Seattle Times and... Then Washington D.C. You watch CNBC. The a lot of millennials now, and sixteen and seventeen, are looking to buy houses, and then they save like eighty thousand dollars, you know, as a down payment, you know, for a young couple, which is a big money. But then they're like, eighty thousand is not enough. No, it's not. If you're gonna buy like a five hundred thousand dollar place, I suggest that you drop minimum one hundred and fifty, like thirty percent, twenty 
25% minimum. That would be the safest thing. And then, the, you know, look at look into adjustable rate mortgage arm, you know, for a condo. So you don't usually sometimes the rates are cheaper than a 30-year fixed mortgage. I'm not going to live here 30 years. Yeah, you can flip it. But I'm like, yeah, 30 years is a big commitment either way. I want to get rid of the debt fast. And then, like, projecting how much I'm going to be saving over seven years with the inflation, salary increase, bonuses, all that. You know, I go like, I think 7-1 is a reasonable arm. 10-1 even, I don't fucking know. So like, but affordability is getting worse and worse. And all these like people, cash buyers are just snatching up left and right all over North America and Australia. Toronto is pretty bad right now. And uh, because I, I feel lucky that I got my place and I'm in a fortunate position to do it. But I want to emphasize that... I, I'm not a big baller in this thing. I'm I'm just a small ant. I'm not even a fucking ant. I'm a dust that an ant stumbles upon, you know, in this big fucking wealth and all that. And just thinking about it, and then, like, all these people, even if Amazon pays you a lot, I'm like, do you really want to pay $3,600 for a fucking measly studio in a town that's dead after 7 p.m.? Are you serious? You know, just... Thinking about all this shit, I'm just like, this is ridiculous. This is, this is a, this this is happening everywhere. I p- open up an article, you know, it's a seller's market, low inventory, rents are going up, in all the cities I mentioned, all over the all the major cities, you know, there are cities that you know are not having this problem. Say like Kansas City, it's not a attractive market, or. God, where where else? Like <laughs> somewhere in Kentucky. It's not like that. There are no attractive I like tech jobs there. There are no millennial hip places there. Cleveland is still cheap, you know. Detroit is revitalizing, but it's still not at that level. But outside Detroit is like pretty pricey, I'll say. It's going up. But so anyways, aside from my long rambling here, I'll just conclude it here. If you're looking into buying a place, wait two years. I think we're at a ridiculous level. I, I I would keep an eye out on the news, especially from the foreign investment. How the hell are Chinese and India Indian economy gonna go? Um, are these sustainable? I know China's trying to curb foreign you know investment a lot too. Trump talks a lot about a fucking trade war with China. I would look into like look. Yet at the same time, he's trying to sell all his property investment to Chinese people and Russian people. Give me a fucking break. These are the exact same people that's kicking people out. And, you know, actual residences of Seattle, New York, Washington, D.C., you know, kicking these people out just for investment reasons with no heart, no connection, whatever. Vancouver, too. Toronto, too. Everyone's just flipping units, flipping condos, flipping houses based on speculation, you know. Same as Sydney, same as Melbourne, London even, for unaffordable rent markets there, you know? It, it truly is a, is a troubling indicator in my opinion, and no one really talks about it. It just goes like, it's a great market for the sellers, for the baby boomers who held on. And I'm like, what about us? What about fucking millennials? I'm lucky to find a place, but like, if I want to move up to the next level... Find the two-bedroom, three-bedroom, the prices are at a ridiculous level. My income ain't going up at a level that these housing prices are going up. 14%, 20% annually. My my income ain't going up like that, you know? So, there. And I am a fortunate one. I admit that. So, 
With that said, I save at least a hundred thousand. You know, I adjust it, but yeah, hundred thousand. I'll say combined. If you have a partner, combined minimum. I would look at twenty to thirty percent down payment. Condo, pref- condos are okay as long as they're new, not the apartment converts. I'm gonna talk about this more later, maybe sometime down the road. But be aware. Look at the market. Uh, the market is really hot right now for the sellers, so don't just jump expecting that the price will continue to increase. It's at an 05, 06, 07 level, and this is not going to be sustainable. And every economy, like a hot market, will come down, and then everything will come down. You want to wait it out and save all the money? Downsize, travel less, or like travel at a minimum rate. Traveling is good, but try to save that money i only travel this year because i i've had money and time before that i didn't have time i just saved money so and i got the housing out of the way and then i got a new car out of the way you know but i i think it's troubling i i think this market is ridiculous and then i'm investing in it but i'm like Am I am I just adding to the problem? At least I admit that there's an issue with housing affordability and rent and all that for the first time buyers, buyers, millennial buyers. It's just sad watching it. And then on one hand, I go like, I hope it fucking crashes. Yeah, but your, your property is going to go down too. It will go down, but to a certain level. You're being way optimistic for you. You're being selfish. You're in a bubble. I'm like, ah, maybe. Ah, fair enough. But like, you know. Whatever. I if I die tomorrow, I live a good life. So that's my mentality. Anyways, like fuck it. Whatever. I had a good run. I so. Anyways, I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't want to leave it a somber note. Just be aware. And then uh, it's a very very hot housing market. But I think it's only for the rich one percent out there. As I say every week, this economy, this job market, wealth, some of the one percenters. And then, you know, Bernie should have been elected. I'll be honest. So. Anyways, thanks for listening to my rambling about financing. I don't know if it's really adulting. I guess it's just a financial economic view of the week in 2017. So I might be wrong. I've been calling for the this asset bubble to burst for like a year and a half now. It hasn't bursted, but I think I think there's some unsustainable. It, it, it will end at some point. You know, Great Depressions, people didn't think it was going to, oh, market will continue to grow. Maybe it's not 2017. Maybe it's not 2018. Maybe it's 2019. 2020 who knows i had a hiccup sorry but save as much as you can it's it's never too late to start looking into like house buying or investing any of that it's okay to just read and observe and just like hoard your money you don't have to jump into it but i hope this audio helps my god if my future kids listen to this they'd be like fucking like just listen to me I might be wrong too, so I'll listen. Ba- I'll listen back to this if the market doesn't crash, or if it really crashes bad, or I lose all my money and listen to it and be like, ah, I didn't listen to myself, or I'd be like, ah, maybe maybe I was being too much of a hater, but I'm always a hater. Ah, maybe I, I got this wrong. I was like, oh, I'm really a dumbass. I'm a clueless asshole. But like, you know what? Who the hell understands the market anyway? If you knew you're a fucking Nostradamus, like you would have been rich all time you'll be hitting 100 but nobody does even in baseball the best 300 hitter 30 percent hitter is the best hitter right so anyways thanks for listening uh please subscribe on the i i keep calling it itunes it's not itunes anymore apple podcast and stitcher tune in radio look for a show with a thumbs up and
and Twitter. What a show! I've been more active on Twitter more and more these days. Um, just talking shit. <laughs> what a show! That's the handle, and then the email. If you still email a dash show at outlook dot com again, a dash show at outlook dot com. All right, thanks for listening. I'm probably I'm gonna have an offsode somewhere on net neutrality. More maybe I'll dedicate an episode on it next week. I'm still figuring it out, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right. 